Heavenly and gracious Father, for uh, uh, for this day and for all that we have, we give you thanks. Um, uh, be with us next 30 minutes or so, and and take take this time and make it your own. Allow your word to create that which wasn't there before. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, come on in. Uh, continuing second part of a five-part series, I think this is, working through um, what might in a boring way be called the Upper Room Discourse. Um, that's what you'll sometimes hear about this, and this means in the Gospel of John, which uh, all of the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all very unique, but John stands out as the most unique of the four, which is why Matthew, Mark, and Luke are sometimes called, you know, this is sort of small group stuff, uh, they're called the synoptics, um, like the root sin, uh, together with similarity, synonym, all that sort. They're very similar for lots of reasons, and we'll go into that right now. And then John sort of stands out in so many ways as just being very different, sort of markedly different in tone and feel and all that. Why is that important? Well, you can impress your friends when you hear something at church, and, uh, and they're talking about the I am and the I am and the I am and the I am and the I am. You can say almost without fail, it's like, is from the Gospel of John, and then they'll say, reading from John, and it's like, see, I told you. So you can know these things, because there's certain pickups that you can get from the different Gospels. Uh, one of the big pickups from John is what we get from the upper room. Um, the upper room is that time during the, the what we call Holy Week, the Passion Week, the week between Palm Sunday and Easter. Uh, and in particular, just when he invites his disciples to... Uh, to the room, hence the upper room. Um, I don't know where it's above. Probably Peter's house or something like that. It's just a guess. It might be in there. Somebody can look and tell me. Um, to the room above another room, uh, where they have the Last Supper, and then at the end, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago. That's in John uh, 13, and today's John 14, where uh, Jesus can tell that he kind of wigged them out by talking about uh, that he's about to go. His hour has come. He's about to leave. Uh, it's like, well, let us go with you. No, you can't go where I go. You cannot follow now, but you will later. And just doing all these really strange things, and you can, you can tell almost their anxiety in the drama of, of these five chapters is going up. And that's where we're going to start today in verse 14. What we know very much um, as, a, as Anglicans, Episcopalians, um, from our funeral liturgy, for our burial of the dead, as it's called in um, in, uh, in the prayer book, um, the great words of just profound comfort. Um, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Um, uh, for where I'm going, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you. For in my Father's house there are many. This all comes from John 14, which you're going to read in just a moment. Uh, very appropriate within a funeral. Very appropriate within a time of great grief and sorrow for the death of someone that we maybe loved very much or didn't know at all, um, but in the communion of saints, um, as we're all tied together, a very appropriate passage in time. Um, very different context when you read it in the stream of these these five chapters where Jesus is, is doing some of his room, that the upper room work. So, that was a long introduction, really just let people get in uh, to, the, to, the, to the room. Um... The title, I won't say this every week, probably this week, maybe next, I'll say it one more time. Um, Words from the end of the world, um, kind of had that in three 
three different ways of thinking about it. The first, sort of the REM way, um, if you're my age, you know, the end of the world as we know it, sort of the true end of the world, like like the, the apocalypse, is the same author, John, who wrote, writes the gospel, who also writes the last book in the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Um, as he describes, you know, purpose, a lot of carryover in themes between the Gospel of John and Revelation, um, where this idea of the end of the world, uh, the end of time, where the author comes out onto the stage uh, and interrupts the, the, uh, the action, interrupts the play, interrupts the, um, uh, the sequence of events and says, no, stop, you know, I'm the author uh, and I'm calling a timeout, um, quite literally, in the case of of the chronology of time moving tick, 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 where God one day will come and say, you know, time. Time is no more. Um, for I was before time and I remain after time. And now as I am the creator of time, I will snatch time and say there is no more time. And now eternity, the eternal now, as C.S. Lewis called it, uh, will be known to you just as it is to me. Um, uh, that's all here in the upper room discourse where Jesus is saying at the end of the world as the end of the the world as we know it when when it really happens sort of you know the road stuff by Cormac McCarthy and all when that happens uh, these words of comfort um, a different way uh, the words from the end of our our world are the world as we know it um, spend a lot of time in this realm where we all create these many fiefdoms you know where I think I'm the master and commander of my own ship and you know, my world really does matter, um, uh, you know, whether my world is my work, whether my world is, is this 30 minutes uh, where I'm teaching y'all and you're all looking so, you know, compliant and you're paying attention to me and all that, and I can really think, wow, this really is, you know, that world. Um, our world at work, our world is, you know, with a family, our world is as sons and daughters or as fathers and mothers or whoever. Uh, where we can actually lapse into thinking that this is reality, this is the world, um, until whatever it is that fills in the blank, until it's a diagnosis, or until it's employment, or until the paycheck doesn't come, or until, until whatever. It's not an if, but a when. Uh, uh, something is going to happen which shakes my world, the world that I know it. And so it's not Jason's world, it's not Lula's world, it's my world that then comes. So it's words from the end of that world, where I'm sort of at the end of my rope, as it were, or even more, where I was at the end of my rope, but then I tried to hold on, it didn't work, and now I'm just falling, and I have no idea when the bottom's going to hit. So there's that, but then the most profound, probably, of the three is uh, turn it around. If, that's, if, uh, if, if words from the end of the world is sort of from the perspective of me, and it's the, when I come to and then even past the end of my rope, then there's the other way of looking at it from the perspective of Christ, the author of the Upper Room Discourse, these five chapters. Uh, and he's saying words from the end of the world, where truly from the end of the world, as he is there, for there, where can I go from your presence, the psalmist asks. Um, for if I climb to the heights you were there, or fall into the depths of Sheol, hell, you're also there. That even as I'm falling past the end of my rope, uh, wherever the bottom is, we have the sure and certain promise that Christ is already there. And so there's the deepest sense from the end of the world where he's speaking, um, already from that place, past our defeat. And that's the most important part, where Christ is already there, past our defeat.
at the end of our ropes and beyond, um, where my world, as I thought it existed, uh, comes crumbling down, uh, we find that Christ is already there. And so words from the true end of the world is Christ you know, at the bottom. Um, and that's a word of comfort. And that's going to be very present, I think, here in, in John 14. So that's the play on words that I have in mind with the, uh, the, um, the title. Any comments on that or any thoughts? Put a little break. Try to find the natural breaks. Do a little bit of video work here on the front end and then do our text work on the back end. Um, well, in setting this up uh, uh, into John 14, uh, beneath all this, if, if you're picking up and you know me, you're going to know this is not a surprise. I'm picking on lots of things. Um, one, this idea uh, that we're really good, actually, that we're really good, actually, at perceiving what is true. I want to pick at the idea that we, we really exist rationally. Um, that what I perceive is true is actually true. I want to pick at that idea and say that's really, we're not very good at that. We might think we are. Uh, because again, that's the world that I create. You know, for it to make sense to me, I've got to create a logical consistency or something like that uh, to make it work. And really, we're awful at it. We looked at that a little bit last time. We're going to do that again this time with an old um, psychology experiment from the 50s by a guy named Ash uh, on conformity. It's really pretty funny. We looked at the elevators a couple of weeks ago, um, similar idea, uh, that I'm not a good perceiver of what is true or what is actual. My powers of perception, of understanding the way things, how things actually are, very limited, not nearly as powerful as I think. Um, uh, the capacity that each one of us have for self-delusion, some form of self-justification or rationalization, these are the words that will be called, or I can, I can talk myself into any number of things, I'm trying to pick at some of that. Um, theologically, this is the great question, you know, put it out as a hot potato, uh, of the bound will, as it's called classically. Um, that we uh, Bound will, as I said a couple of weeks, doesn't mean we don't have choice. It means that choice doesn't exist in the way that we think it does. Um, now, we clearly have choice. I chose this tie instead of the blue one. Um, the bound will says... Uh, we have choice. That's not the question. The question is, to whom is your will bound? To what is your will bound? Are there, in fact, things, a person, in Satan, if you want to give him a personification, uh, uh, someone or some things that actually determine my behavior um, in ways that I don't even begin to understand? Um, and I'm going to come in and say, hopefully pretty strongly in this little series, yes, absolutely. We do not understand why we do the things we do in the way that we do them in the way that I think I do. Um, and so that's what we're going to pick on a little bit. Uh, one little phrase that kind of stumbled on recently, and I think it fits well with, with 14.1. Uh, if you need to walk out, just think, don't believe everything that you think. <laughs> don't believe everything you think. And then Jesus, I think, would say the same thing because he comes in. He says, look, believe in God, believe also in me. By extension, there's no like, and believe in yourself. You know, you're okay. You can do it. You know, believe in yourself. Follow your heart. You know, you, you've got it. I, I've been with you for three years. I think you're ready to go out of the nest. You know, come on. You can do this. There's no sort of rah-rah fire up. He keeps us out of it, and that's the proper. We're, that, keeps us, that keeps the object proper. I am not the object. I am the indirect object. I am the one 
worked upon. Christ remains at one time the subject and the object of my life. It is a grammatical sort of analogy. Um, so with that, let's look at this little uh, ash conformity experiment. And I'm not a good perceiver of reality that, that things outside of me often uh, dictate, I'll even use a strong word, dictate what I do and how I think and how I sort of work in a group and all that. This was, a, as I mentioned, an experiment in the 1950s on primarily conformity. Um, we're going to look at about three minutes of it. I, I kind of like it. It's on YouTube uh, because it looks like the original footage, like back in the 50s. And I said, there's a lot of nostalgia because when I was in elementary school, you know, when the, the teacher would bring out the reel-to-reel projector, it was like, oh, good. You know, the lights would go down. It'd be this, this same guy's voice was on every single one of those things. Um, so the ash conform. we'll do this and we'll say a little bit about it uh, as we go. But an experiment is not a public opinion poll. Turn this down. Can you hear that? As you can see here, I have a number of cards, and on each card there are several lines. Your task is a very simple one. You're to look at the line on the left and determine which of the three lines on the right is equal to it in length. All right, we'll proceed in this order. Only one of the people in the group is a real subject, a fifth person with a white t-shirt. The others are confederates of the experiment and have been told to give wrong answers on some of the trials. That's not the 50s, it's got to be the 70s. Eventually, as subjects give their judgments. Yeah. 
The partnership variation shows that much of the power of the group came not merely from its numbers, but from the unanimity of its opposition. When that unanimity is punctured, the group's power is greatly reduced. Sometimes we go along with the group because what they say convinces us they are right. There's other interesting variants and all, but anyway, any thoughts on that? Because we are apprehensive. Believable, disbelievable. I get the premise. I see it happen at work. You know, when you're in a big group meeting, a lot of times, I definitely see that. Yeah. Any thoughts? Any examples come to mind when, that's not a big deal, but examples that come to mind where, you know, could even change the course of human events, something like that. You look at it at many levels, macro levels. Yeah, that'd be a great example. So. Um, interesting. There's just lots of human nature. I mean, who we are naturally. Um, lots of observations. Does this happen 100% of the time? No, and they wouldn't say it does. Um, I think this is me adding comments. Certain temperaments, certain personality types, the, the contrarians among us might even enjoy... Uh, disagreeing just for the sake of disagreement. There could be lots of reasons for that. Um, I'm sort of a contrarian. Uh, if you're into Myers-Briggs typology, for instance, there's one or two types that are clearly more individualistic than, than the others. Um, you know, you had uh, uh, a convention where a bunch of INTJs were together and you gave them this experiment. I think you'd have a very low, uh, low conformity. But in the general population, I think this is pretty true. Um, uh, works out in lots of different ways at the micro level, like at work, and sometimes that's not a big deal. Sometimes, and you get people going along in the wrong idea, uh, you know, it can bankrupt a company um, or even a country. <laughs> uh, look a little bit at that next week. I'm working on sort of the, the reading some, and I'll invite some financial sorts to really help with this and the, how the subprime crisis, 2008, 2009, and all that, has a lot of this going on, possibly. Um, Lots of ways. You know, all I want to do is sort of pick on one aspect, and then we're going to do the text work in John 14 of uh, are we as independent as I think I am? Am I as independent as I think I am? Am I an independent thinker? Am I autonomous in the way that I sometimes think I am in this little, this little world that I create? Um, uh, and the answer is, I'm going to say is no. You know, parroting what I heard Paul's all say once, and I like it just in its 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 obscurity. We are 80% wrong 80% of the time, and I like that because it's like, well, wait, what does that mean? And I don't know, but it doesn't matter. It just means that we're 80% wrong 80% of the time, because because of all of this and everything else. I mean, look at fashion. Billions of dollars hinge on this question of whether or not independent thought exists. Just the simple question: Does independent thought exist? If it doesn't, fashion goes one way. If it does, it goes another. I mean, this is an important question for Fifth Avenue. I mean, if fashion doesn't, if independent thought doesn't exist the way that we think it does, then we have an opportunity to exploit. And so there's a lot of, of, uh, of there's a lot on the table here. Yeah, Charlie? Just look at that right there, and especially the clothes, and especially the last shirt. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> He looked in front of the mirror and said, this is it. 
this is me, baby. <laughs> okay, and I want to pick up on that because I've looked at that too, and it's not the 50s, it's the 70s, and, and, I, and I'm going to need some help here. I'm not the fashionista that, I, that you might think I am. Uh, I mean, how much of the 70s have we re-inherited? I mean, we're back into go-go boots, big lapels, is that what these are called? Um, hair is back in, uh, uh, flared jeans, which we used to call bell-bottom now or something. I mean, we're back. Fashion, groupthink, herd mentality, lack of independent thought. Um, even the big prints that we see there in a slightly different form. But is that right? I mean, it's coming around again. Um, it's probably that's the last year deal, but so. Um, absolutely. Fashion, no, Ecclesiastes says, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Fashion has to just recycle. Because I mean, how many new paisley prints are there? You know, we're really, we're, we're done. Now we just got to bring them back and recast them in another way. Um, to whom is your will bound? Does independent thought exist? Um, the herd mentality, um, fashion, whether it's clothes, what's new for the home, what groups are desirable to be in, what's great with your kids. If right now it's, you know, kids are oversubscribed in 20 years, you know, you're going to say, like, you need to get your kids out and involved in people because right now everybody's just pulling them at home and saying, nope, we're not going to do anything. You know, it's fashion. It's just going to go back and forth, and it's going to be dangerous in all these different ways. Um, we are not uh, as independent as we think we are. I don't perceive what is true in the way that I think I am. In the novel 1984, which I love to sort of borrow from, this is where Orwell's 2 plus 2 equals 5, if you remember that sequence. Um, uh, it becomes believable, where you actually start to believe the lie, um, where you actually start to, to, uh, to come back in and play that out. Um, so, if our inability to understand and apprehend things actually is so sorely limited, um, we are likewise also very poor in our response to anxiety, stress, and fear. Um, and I think this is just a bridge, and may find some video stuff later to pull with this. But this is the disciples coming out of John 13. If you look in there, it's it's a uh, Peter. Uh, Jesus just told Peter, in his uh, in his well-intentioned bravado, "I'm never going to deny you. I, I won't. I won't do it." And Jesus looks at him and says, "Peter, before the night's out, three times the rooster will crow, and before the third time, you'll already have done it." Um, I mean, so it's right there. Anxiety, stress, fear, all that. Um, we're just, we're poor, we're poor judges of our own character. We think we have more of it than we do. Um, good question, does character even exist? Few people wake up ever and say, you know, today's a good day that I'm going to betray my family in some way or another through my own pursuit of self-interest or happiness, whatever I think that is. Uh, if you've ever been shocked at your own behavior and says, was that really me? I mean, what was that? It's probably going to have some part of stress and fear beneath all that. Um, if you've ever had, and there are several that have had it, um, a diagnosis, whether it was for an hour, for a day, for a month, that you really thought it was terminal. Um, the doctors were trying to figure it out. Uh, a lot happens in that hour, um, as I've talked to people, and they, their resolve to amend is pretty high. And then a month later, when it's all clear and all the promises they made to themselves about being a better father, being a better employer, being a better uh, church member, being whatever, 
all these improvements of character that they wanted to sort of you know bring back around so that that they would do they would be the person they wanted to be so that the obituary wouldn't be a lie um, then they wonder what happened how come that's not motivating me anymore how come I'm still X or Y or Z um, oh here's, yeah we got time um, uh, there was this cartoon on Mockingbird, if you read it this week, uh, about um, kind of playing on that idea of live life to the fullest, live each day as if it's your last and all that. You might see this, this uh, coffee with Jesus thing. It's pretty funny. Um, I like y'all read it. Um, it goes against the just dance like no one's watching naked thing that goes around every once in a while. So. Okay, I'll do that. So, so here's the two, you know, woman, you know, uh, so I guess this is the year. The Mayans said so. You know, the end of the world, 2012, all that. Or someone said the Mayans said so. That's the rumor anyway. Is it true, Jesus? Jesus replies, they simply ran out of room on their circular calendar. True prophets don't give dates. Don't get caught up in that nonsense. Enjoy today. And then she responds, so maybe we should just live each day as if it were our last? And then Jesus, if you... <laughs> I can't do this without laughing. If you knew today was your last, you'd be curled up in the fetal position with a bottle of whiskey, crying and babbling. So no, just live. <laughs> I like that. Um, we're not very good uh, judges of the depth of our character. Um, and we so quickly want to uh, add to the freedom, which Jesus says, you know, live. Not live each day as if it's your last. No, 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 don't do that. Because there's no depth there anyway. Just live. Don't add to the freedom which I've already given you in me. Uh, just just take that and live. Live today. Do this. This is where AA does get it right. You know, Live for today. Do the next right thing. Uh, Jesus, tomorrow has enough to worry about on its own. Um, uh, let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Today, don't add to the freedom. It's just there. So that was a free sermon. So um, let's get to the text. Um, thinking about how uh, all these reactions and our limited um, ability to perceive things actually uh, where they really are and how they intersect with some of John 14. Um, before we do that, any any comments or any thoughts about this the conformity experiment? How it plays out in your own life? The Office, funny movie. Um, coming in, as I said last time, and you can see it there in, in yours, coming out of the the end of a uh, of John 13, or in John 13, where he, where he has the Last Supper, um, washes the disciples' feet. Peter says, "You know, don't do this." Jesus, you, this, this is not, this is, you're not who I thought you were. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's pretty obvious, Peter. I'm not who you thought I was, but this, this is who I am. And, uh, and you won't understand it until I go away and prepare this place and you come there with me. You won't understand it until then, but I'm walking that way. Um, and that freaks them out. Their hearts are troubled. Jesus gets into their inner dialogue, which he could do, um, uh, and that's where he picks up in John 14, where he knows they are freaking out on the inside, but not saying anything. Uh, and Jesus comes in with this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to... If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, it's going to be interesting, there's three questions from the disciples, and it's three different disciples. I don't really know what that means, but it's kind of interesting to me in this chapter. So Thomas does it first, doubting Thomas, who will later say, you know, unless I stick my hand in the side, I won't believe. You know, it's the same guy. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? In this great, great verse, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, second disciple, said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Uh, Jesus, probably an echo of Moses, you know, show me your, your, show me your glory, Lord. Um, he says, I can't do that, Moses, you, your brain would explode. So let me see your backside. He says, okay, I'll do that. Let me hide you in this rock and cover your eyes, and then as I'm passing, uh, uh, you can peek. So it's probably an echo of that. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you do not speak on my, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So we'll break there where he promises the Holy Spirit, um, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. Initial comments or thoughts? Very dense, these, these words, which are trying to take these lighter side of things, um, not doing necessarily sort of syllable by syllable dissection. Um, a lot of density, a lot of redundancy. It's kind of confusing, I find. But what, what, do you, what are first comments on this? Much and deeper. So that's why they're they're like talking on different planes. Mm-hmm. They're not. Um, and so the, it's the same thing with the truth, mm-hmm. which we're saying mm-hmm. about truth. Mm-hmm. It's, it's deeper than what we're thinking. What we're thinking it is. So, yeah. Thanks. Anyone else? Do you think that runs counter to our tendency to want to define Christianity on our own terms? What Jesus is saying? Is that running counter to that? Yeah. I mean, when, when he's, when, when like was just said, when the stuff saying, show us this, 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 and this, it's yeah. essentially no. Yeah. I've shown you this, and, and I don't want to sound too restrictive, but for those of us who are kind of what we think is confessional Christians. Sure. You know, we, we kind of, not pride ourselves, but we take comfort in the fact that we have the scriptures and maybe, to a certain extent, the tradition of the church, the reformers and whatnot. And there's nothing else besides that. Yeah. Really. Me experience God's into a point, but beyond that, it, it, it is what it is, and it seems that that's He's kind of saying that in His own way as well. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. 
you would know that. Um, but a good phrase, interesting phrase. I think I want to share the platform with you, Matt, and see what you mean when you say, you know, we, as we culturally or whoever try to redefine the church in our own terms. Any thoughts that you want to? Um, I mean, a lot of that's historically driven, though. I mean, you know, you send out a of people and you've got 15 different types of evangelical Protestants mm-hmm. that's going to be derived from something, whether it's 100 years old, 300 years old, whatever. But, I mean, we all encounter people who, and like, it's, it's like the spiritual but not religious kind of thing, mm-hmm. where we, we say, well, you know, Jesus is cool, but I'm not really into that stuff that worries about, and spill in the blame, but it's a moral issue in terms of behavior and what we ought to do or what we ought not right. to do, or it's church is too stuffy, or I don't really want the Bible, but I like Jesus. And right. I, I think it's a lot of that. I mean, the, the old um, sociological line about the woman who said she followed her own religion, which was Sheilaism. Right. Right. Sheila. Right. Um, you know, and, and teaching high school, I mean, I, I stand in front of a bunch of kids every, every day who all of, you know, probably seventy five percent of them go to a church, and most of it is a church that at least has a tradition of a couple hundred years. But they all define it all. Yes. Yeah. Um, and not in these stupid fifteen year olds kind of way, because we, we all did that when we were fifteen. And that's okay. But it's something a little bit deeper, more ingrained than that. Yeah. That I can just this whole thing's malleable. Agreed. Too. And, and I, you know, I think that again, obviously, I'm using Jesus for my own purposes here, so I say that. We're 80% ability. wrong 80% of the yeah, time about yeah, everything we say. Totally yeah, so. uh, but that's an important part is to be able to say, like, look, this is what I'm saying, right. but I'm wrong. I'm so wrong. I'm so self conscious about being wrong. So yeah. look how you know, simple I am. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, but I, I think that may be what he's saying, and that they want it to be one way. Yeah. And they're, they're asking for something more, and it, it does remind me a little bit of. of people who are super obsessed with the Holy Spirit in the sense that I've got to have something else. Jesus said you didn't. I mean, the disciples were a whole bunch of others. They said, no, no, I'm good. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and, and you know, stuff like Calvin and Luther said a lot that Jesus was enough and you didn't need 800 different miracles. Another sign or something right. else. You, know, yeah. you don't so need that. That's good. Thank you. <coughs> yeah. To, you know, to reset the table, a lot of what, what, what Rita and Matt just shared, um, Jesus is shattering our world. I mean, that's one part. You know, words from the end of the world. He's saying the world that, as you, Gil, define it, is is not is not the world. Truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is a big deal in these chapters. You're going to hear that word a lot. Uh, that's what one thing he's saying is what you think is true is false. Um, what I say is true is true because I am the word, and as I speak that word, it creates that which is spoken. Um, and so as he speaks truth, the truth comes. The deepest truth of that is, Gil, you have no ability to do anything good for yourself. But I love you anyway. And now, as I love you in your unloveliness, I'm loving you into a lovability. I'm loving you into the thing which I'm speaking. And that's good news. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me as the way, the truth, and the life. Um, The one who speaks will bring about that which is spoken. Um, So there's lots of ways we can go with that. I like your pickup, you know, 15-year-old religion. I mean, that's, 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 you know, that's okay. That's what we do. One thing I want to say is defense of 15-year-olds. 
look, we have more sophisticated, some of us, ways of displaying it, but we're all sort of stuck there. It's just adolescent spirituality recycle. We don't get any smarter. You know, we're 80% wrong 80% of the time. Um, whether you're 50, they might be 85% wrong, actually. Um, 80% wrong 80% of the time. We don't get better from that. Um, believe in God. Believe also in me. Um, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, uh, what I have told you, I would go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, uh, I will come again and will take you to myself. That there, where, there where, where I am, you will be also. This place, and then we're going to move on. Um, Midland's wrapped. It's probably a good exit. Um, strange. Where is he going? He's going to heaven. I mean, most literal sense. How's he getting there? That's, what he's, that's, the, that's the truth that he's shattering. He's going to a place um, where very oddly, very frighteningly, the only way he can get there is through death. And he's saying, and you will come too. And there's a death involved, most certainly there. His death, supremely. But even the, the small death, the end of my world as I know it. Um, there's no way to this truth uh, without death. The person that I am, what, what Paul would call the, the, the old Adam, um, uh, uh, what's called original sin, the part that comes out and is me originally. It's, it's part of my DNA. It's part of my origin. It's part of of the very core and fiber of my being. All of that has to be uh, unworked, remade, has to be touched and killed so that the Lord and his gospel can quicken it, can bring it out of the ashes into something new. Um, it goes all the way back to the ash conformity experiment, just to use one silly example, that we're not, we're not who we think we are. Um, I don't have the character, let me put it that way, to withstand forces, you might even say principalities and powers, uh, uh, in the situations that I think I would. Um, how many of us, let me put, how often do I read the Gospels and think, oh, stupid disciples, you know, I would have dot, 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 dot. It's like, no, I mean, if that's true, and you can't even like say it's two, not one, idiot, you know, I'm not going to sit there and tell, and, and, and have the truth. The disciples they, they, were, they were me. They were you. Um, that's where it's helpful. We're not who we think we are. Um, God knows that, and he speaks the word, the deeper word, the truth about who we are. And that word defines us. That's good news. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Um, so I'm just going to stop there. Um, if we get out two minutes early, then great. Let it be here for noon that... that uh, I ended a class early. But do we have a comment or two? Thought? Coffee with Jesus. Anything else? Jason? Well, the only thing I would... I, I do think this is perhaps the most theologically Trinitarian of any... Absolutely. ...of any of the Gospels. And it is... The hope is, is ultimately a Trinitarian hope, and the audience would have been stunned by this. Yeah. It, it's still the offense... authority of eternity, incarnation, and comfort. And 
I, that has to be a radical reorientation for the men in the room as, as much as it is for us. I appreciate that. I would add a coda. Um, well, it's just not a coda. I mean, it's just it's massive. You're exactly right. Um, to, to, to arrive at a Trinitarian understanding is just in terms of Jason teaches the development of intellectual thought. You know, that is a tremendously, you know, earth-shattering, you know, history-moving event. Within the context of, of John, he's laying it out in Trent. Uh, the great Gordian knot, you know, who's about to die? Is it Jesus? Is it the Son? So the Father is doing what? To I mean, what kind of God is that? But I and the Father are one. Jesus is not alone on the cross. You know, the wrath of God poured out upon Himself for the sins of me. I mean, who can understand? And yet, that's the truth that's being spoken, and the truth that's spoken becomes true, even if we don't understand it, because we're limited in our capacity to understand. So it's also just setting up: how do I even begin to approach Good Friday via this Lent? Starting to get really Lenten in my thinking, um, in anticipation of Lent coming. Trent. Uh huh. Yeah. How could they have done that? I would have said. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, just groupthink. It's right there. Um, yeah. Just had a lot of thoughts, Bill. I'll save them. So, Charlie? It's one more thing, particularly appropriate on Super Bowl Sunday, you know, where you're talking about a reality that is beyond anything we really understand. And, you know, in a couple of hours, you're going to hear, you know, the world ends if Gronkowski doesn't have his Right, right, right. <laughs> I think at the end of the Truman Show, you know, manipulation of truth and all that stuff. And we're in the bathtub and she's crying because Truman got out. And, you know, they go through all those places. And there's two security guards in an underground parking deck. They're like, oh, man, I can't believe it. And it's like, ah. Want to see what else is on? Yeah. So, I mean, they're gone. Just like that. They've invested 30 years of their life in this television show. And then suddenly the movie ends like, you want to see what else is on? Yeah. It's like, what's next? Truth. I mean, it's so manipulative. And it's just all there. So. There's a greater truth. Well, let me pray. Lord, for uh, this day, um, thank you. Uh, take, uh, take this time and allow it to be your word, the spoken word, which creates that which is spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. See you all next week.